This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 <laughs> well, it seems that Sinclair Broadcasting got one thing right, at least. I'll give him that. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. It is not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's. AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Bird and Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. I don't want to uh, get into too many details on this today, Desi Doyen, okay. uh, because I'm eager to get to my guests coming up shortly regarding, frankly, what I see as a hugely important story that literally no one is talking about regarding media ownership and how we find ourselves right now in our current politicized fake news messes because of it. And in this case, specifically because of one of the nation's largest owners of television stations, the very right wing Sinclair Broadcasting Group, which appears to be violating federal laws on media ownership restrictions all over the country by using phony shell corporations to hide the real control of those stations. Journalist and media activist Sue Wilson broke this story for us this week at bradblog.com and reported on the petition to deny license renewal for the phony uh, scam ownership of several stations that Sinclair is using to get around ownership rules. Sue will be here to discuss that, along with the Republican attorney 
who filed this petition to try and put an end to Sinclair's scam. So I'm very much looking forward to that. They will both join me momentarily. Oh, yeah. The creeping right-wing takeover of media everywhere across the country yeah. is a big underreported story. Yeah, and it's not so creeping. It is. I mean, it's here at this point, and the FCC ain't doing a damn thing about it, even though... It's a pretty obvious scam. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, So I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but as Donald Trump is facing at least some blowback uh, right now for his attempts to undermine the American electoral system by claiming, among other things, massive absentee ballot fraud going on right now in our country, even before almost anyone in the country has actually received their absentee ballots, he uh, he pushes back harder and harder the more he is called out on it, the more, you know, people say it's absolute nonsense. He just pushes back with more evidence free lies. So with that in mind, allow me to share a very quick piece of Donald Trump's own FBI director, Christopher Ray, the guy he put in place after he fired James Comey. Here's Christopher Ray talking about the topic from uh, a testimony to the U.S. Senate uh, to a U.S. Senate committee hearing on Thursday about exactly this massive vote by mail fraud that Trump is pretending is going on. Ray on Thursday said that his agency had not seen evidence of widespread voter fraud through mail in voting, which is a big contrast from what Trump is telling uh, everyone in the nation. Again, this is Trump's own FBI director and his response to a question asked at the top here of this clip by uh, Michigan's Democratic Senator Gary Peters. He's the ranking member of the Senate Homeland Security Committee in this hearing on Thursday. So given the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we're seeing many more people vote uh, by mail. As I mentioned, unprecedented numbers of absentee ballots have been asked for in the state of Michigan. So I want to dispel uh, this, uh, some of this drumbeat of misinformation that we're hearing out there. Uh, and so my question is very direct. Is voting by mail secure? Uh, well, Senator, I think what I would say is this. Um, We take all election-related threats seriously, whether it's uh, voter fraud, voter suppression, whether it's in person, whether it's by mail, uh, and our role is to investigate the threat actors. Um, Now, we have not seen, historically, uh, any kind of coordinated national voter fraud effort uh, in a major election, uh, whether it's by mail or, or otherwise. We have seen voter fraud uh, at the local level from time to time. Um, And so my comment should in no way uh, be construed as minimizing how seriously we take our responsibility to investigate such incidents or the potential impact those things could have at the local level. So it's on our radar. Certainly to change a, a federal election outcome by mounting that kind of fraud at scale would be a major challenge for an adversary, but people should make no mistake, we're vigilant uh, as to the threat uh, and watching it carefully because we're in in uncharted new territory. And uh, I think as far as risk assessments of any particular state's processes or systems, I would defer to to Mr. Cuccinelli and and DHS CISA because that's really more in their lane. Right. But your, your answer is clear. You've not seen any widespread fraud uh, by mail. Uh, and it's something the FBI watches continuously to make sure that that's not happening. So that's something we folks, would investigate seriously. Absolutely. Aggressively. 
So that is a stark contrast from Donald Trump uh, and his ongoing crusade against vote by mail ahead of the November election coming from Donald Trump's own FBI director, Christopher Wray, on Thursday uh, in the wake of uh, Trump claiming that there is massive fraud going on. we got to get rid of the ballots. I can't guarantee a peaceful transition of power. Now, you notice Ray does not mention concerns about manipulation of computer voting and tabulation systems and so forth, uh, either by election insiders or malicious cybersecurity hackers, domestic or foreign. But he sort of tosses cold water on the idea that, you know, mass absentee ballot fraud is right now going on and it's a scam being run by the Democrats. And you know it and I know it and everyone knows it that Trump has been hammering pretty much each and every day now without a shred of evidence to support it. Anyway, just wanted to get it out there. I suspect we will return to this topic in the days ahead. But it appears that, you know, Trump's own FBI director thinks that Donald Trump is actually full of bunk on this issue, at least when it comes to widespread fraud that Trump is now claiming day after day after day when it comes to absentee, mail-in, vote-by-mail ballots, whatever you want to call them. They're all the same, no matter how the president of the United States has been twisting the brains of his supporters to believe that there is somehow something different between absentee ballots versus mail-in or whatever nonsense that he is pushing as he himself is fraudulently and illegally casting an absentee ballot in the state of Florida where he has no legal residence to vote. Uh, anyway, all right, got that taken care of yes. and for now. And speaking of nonsense that Trump is pushing, uh, we've got some good news on that front, at least for now. Once again, from our federal courts, a federal judge has barred the Trump administration on Friday from ending the 2020 census a month early. That's the latest twist in years of political and legal warfare over perhaps the most contested population count in a century, according to The New York Times today. In U.S. District Court in the Northern District of California, Judge Lucy Coe issued a preliminary injunction preventing the administration from winding down the count by September 30. That would be a month before the scheduled completion date for the census of October 31. She also barred officials from delivering completed population data to the White House on December 31, rather than the April 2021 delivery date that had been previously set out. Now, if this sounds familiar, the judge had temporarily stayed the early completion of the census count uh, a couple of weeks ago, pending a hearing that was held this past week. And now the ruling comes after evidence filed this week showed that top Census Bureau officials believe that ending the headcount early would seriously endanger its accuracy. For example, in one email in July... The head of uh, the census field operation called it, quote, ludicrous to think a curtailed count would somehow succeed. A second internal document drafted in late July said a shortened census would have, quote, fatal data flaws that are unacceptable for a constitutionally mandated national activity. Nonetheless, the administration ordered the speed up anyway 
Critics immediately said it would lead to huge undercounts, particularly for low-income areas and communities of color, which might have been the point here. The uh, administration argued, however, that it needed to end the census taking early in order to begin processing state-by-state data, or it would miss a December 31 deadline for sending population figures to Donald Trump. That was widely seen as an effort to ensure that Trump, not Joe Biden, if he wins the election, that Trump controls the census figures that will be used next year to reallocate seats in the House of Representatives, to draw thousands of political boundaries nationwide, that the judge noted could cause inaccuracies that would affect the distribution of federal funding and political representation for the next 10 years. Census also is used to determine how one and a half trillion dollars in federal spending is distributed each year. And yet instead of uh, turning over that that, that data by April of next year, Donald Trump said, no, I want it now by December. So cut everything short if you have to. He ordered also in July that uh, Trump did that unauthorized immigrants be removed from the totals used for reapportionment for Congress, a move that would uh, create a whiter, less urban, and more Republican population base for distributing House seats. Civil rights groups and local uh, governments allege that the decision to shorten the schedule was to was made to to accommodate that directive from Trump to try and exclude people in the country illegally from the apportionment numbers, despite the fact that the Constitution's mandate for the census is to count all persons in the country. It does not say all people, all white people, all Republicans, all legal citizens. It just says all persons. A three-judge panel in New York uh, blocked that directive about not counting uh, unauthorized immigrants, uh, saying that that was unlawful. The Trump administration, of course, never bothered by anything being unlawful, (laughs) is appealing that decision to the Republicans' stolen U.S. Supreme Court. Which is remarkable to me because he will be hurting red states that vote for him, like Texas and Florida, Mm -hmm. that uh, if you don't count all the persons that are there, you don't get a sufficient federal funding for things like roads, bridges, firefighters, teachers, stuff you need. Well, it's actually remarkable that Texas, which would be hurt by this, has not spoken up and uh, said a damn thing about it. That's well, that's how controlled States like Texas are by the Republican Party nationally, I guess they're willing to throw their own people off a cliff. Yes, you'd rather hurt your own constituents just so you can, you know, uh, cement your power further. In a 78-page opinion, Judge Coe said that a mound of internal Commerce Department and Census Bureau documents show that both that both of the agencies knew that the earlier deadlines could not be met without creating a flawed count. Yet their only explanation for shortening the census, according to the judge, was a two-page press release that was issued in August saying that the December deadline had to be met. Judge Coe wrote uh, that press release never explains why defendants are required to follow this deadline that would sacrifice constitutionally and statutorily required interests in accuracy. This year's census has been a star-crossed exercise, as Michael Wines describes it at the Times. 
uh, pushed far behind schedule by the coronavirus pandemic, stymied by uh, clumsy software, as he calls it, and so mired in Republican political strategizing that even former directors of the Census Bureau called the entire count into question. Even this week, the government's sole witness in this lawsuit, the associate director for the uh, census program, said in a deposition that the pandemic, Western wildfires and major storms in the South posed, quote, significant risks to complete all states by September 30. And this was the witness that the government was putting forward. On Monday, the inspector general of the Commerce Department said the compressed schedule threatened the reliability of both the headcount and the data processing and error checks that are supposed to follow it. The IG's report quoted unnamed senior census officials saying that the early deadlines would have forced shortcuts in reviews of data and other quality assurance steps. The report from the IG also said that the Census Bureau was forced to shave a month off its headcount because it had been ordered by unnamed higher-ups in the Trump administration to deliver data to the White House by December 31 and could devise no other way to meet that deadline beyond shortening the data collection period. At least one senior Census Bureau official appeared convinced this summer that even a shortened count would not free up sufficient time to deliver credible data. The executive who runs the daily census operations says any thinking person who would believe we can deliver apportionment by December 31 has either a mental deficiency or a political motivation. Yeah, you're looking at me funny, Des. Why mental is that? Mental deficiency. It, Wonder yeah. who that could be. Mental deficiency or a political motivation. Now, who could they be talking about? Anyway... Uh, so for now, that's some good news, at least for the moment. I suspect the Trump administration will soon move to appeal that decision as well. But we will see, because there's just not much time left for that to happen. And speaking of political capture of our nation's key federal agencies, as we're seeing with the census, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, seems to have been captured, if not politically, then by the corporations that it is supposed to be regulating. The corporations that are granted control of our public airwaves, and with that control, of course, comes the ability to radically divide this nation, which, as you may have noted, is exactly where we are right now. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back with how we got here and how at least one Republican attorney is now trying to uncorrupt the FCC with a key filing to deny licensing for one of the nation's largest TV ownership companies who apparently has been scamming the FCC for years, or at least the FCC has been looking the other way as all of this has been going on. That Republican attorney and media activist Sue Wilson both join us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. 
We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. And you may ask yourself... Good question. How did any of us get here? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, as as you may have noticed, uh, we've got a hell of a mess right now on our hands in this country. A wildly dangerous mess, in fact, uh, and one that may be difficult to find our way out of thanks to years, in my opinion, of entrenched partisan propaganda, often over our public airwaves, as I have long warned. It sort of started with Rush Limbaugh in the 1980s after Ronald Reagan stopped enforcing the Fairness Doctrine to help ensure actual balance on our airwaves. The Fairness Doctrine was done away with, and then it was kick-started even more by the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which was signed by Bill Clinton. So Republicans and Democrats alike have their hands in this. Uh, when he uh, with that uh, Telecommunications Act actually began to roll back media ownership rules that were meant to make sure that no one voice or company or point of view had too much power over our limited public airwaves. But then they started rolling back ownership uh, requirements. The dangerous divisiveness, the lack of fairness and too often lack of actual facts over our public airwaves spread like a virus across talk radio stations on the public airwaves around the country to so-called news outlets like Fox News on cable and more recently to social media where misinformation has allowed a wildly unqualified man like Donald Trump, to ascend to the presidency of the United States. But it's not just talk radio and cable news and social media that has been politicized along the way. Despite the mass ownership of television stations across the country and control of their otherwise trusted local newsrooms, many Americans had never heard of the Sinclair Broadcasting Group until... Around early 2018, after the corporate local broadcasting behemoth had sent a script warning about so-called fake news, as Donald Trump by then had been describing virtually all news that reflected poorly on him, to the stations that Sinclair owned and controlled around the country. They mandated that their most trusted local anchors read that script to unsuspecting viewers during their local news broadcasts. As directed, most of the local news anchors at the corporate-owned stations did so, leading to media outlet Deadspin at the time, creating this infamous montage of what it sounded like as all over the country local television anchors, which studies have shown for years are among the most trusted by news consumers, as they shared their Sinclair-written vow to play along with the Trump administration's campaign to actually 
undermine real, fact-based news reporting and real media outlets. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 Yeah. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. You get the idea. And in fact, this is extremely dangerous to our democracy, but not necessarily for the reason that all of those Sinclair uh, owned television station anchors were telling their viewers at the time. Headquartered in the Baltimore suburb of Cuckiesville, Maryland, the company is now the nation's second largest local TV station operator by officially owning or operating a total of 193 stations across the country in over 100 markets. That covers some 40 percent of American households, many of which are located in the South and the Midwest. In fact, as we will discuss in a moment, Sinclair may control many more stations than that. Either way, Sinclair is the largest owner of stations affiliated with Fox, ABC, and the CW Network. And, as you may have guessed by now, Sinclair also has a decidedly far right-wing bent, though one, unlike Fox News, which is somewhat disguised by its station's affiliations with networks other than Fox and obscured by often longtime local news anchors and reporters at their stations who have been well-known to the local communities they serve frequently for years before Sinclair scooped up the stations and began making changes to their newsrooms by requiring things like daily must-air so-called commentary segments, for example, by former Trump administration officials like White House Assistant, uh, Assistant Communications Director Boris Epstein or former discredited Fox News hosts like Eric Bowling pushing out Trump administration propaganda to unsuspecting viewers. While Fox News at least plies its dishonest trade over cable networks, Sinclair has a huge reach via our limited public airwaves, which are actually owned, at least in theory, by we the people and licensed to companies like Sinclair, essentially for free in exchange for serving the public interest. That licensing and those stations are overseen by the Federal Communications Commission, which regulates compliance with federal legislation like the Telecommunications Act in order to supposedly assure that our public airwaves are used fairly and in the public interest for all of us, for all of we the people. 
The FCC, however, a commission controlled by the party of whoever happens to be in the White House at any given time, has, according to my two guests today, been allowing Sinclair to get away with violations of the Telecommunications Act for years now, including the strict limits that the act places on ownership and specifically how many stations any one media company may control. Reporting this past week at Bradblog.com, longtime journalist turned media activist Sue Wilson writes that Baltimore's crowded TV market highlights the shell game that media goliath Sinclair Broadcasting plays across the nation to illegally dominate the information that Americans can consume over public airwaves. The agency, tasked with overseeing those airwaves, that's the FCC, has long turned a blind eye to allow Sinclair, the very powerful purveyor of right-wing propaganda, to violate U.S. law. How? Well, Wilson reports that among the restrictions on media ownership in the Telecommunications Act is the fact that under the law, a single TV company is permitted to reach no more than 39% of viewers in the U.S. overall, and in a local, single local broadcast market, one company may apply to own two stations, as long as there are nine or more stations in that market. But Baltimore, where Sinclair happens to be based, has just eight stations. And guess what? As Sue reports, three of them, three of them are actually owned by Sinclair, WBFF, WNUV, and WUTB. But two of those stations, she reports, based on a new citizen-filed petition to deny uh, relicensing for those stations, two of them are actually secretly owned and or controlled by Sinclair. Wilson reports that Sinclair lawyers, who also represent Cunningham Broadcasting and Deerfield Media, will say that Sinclair owns WBFF that Cunningham owns WNUV, and that Deerfield owns WUTB. So there's no ownership problem there. But in a September 1 legal petition to deny the renewal of all three stations' licenses due to both the shell game and the lies that Sinclair has told to protect its unlawful ownership, Republican attorney Art Bellenduke researched Securities and Exchange Commission documents and found that both Deerfield and Cunningham are actually both controlled by Sinclair. So what gives here? And why has the FCC seemingly turned a blind eye to all of this for years? Joining us now to help us make sense of what is going on here is Sue Wilson. She is an Emmy and AP. Uh, AP award-winning broadcast journalist turned media reform activist. She's also director of the media reform documentary Broadcast Blues and founder of the Media Action Center. Sue Wilson, thanks for a great story at the Brad blog, and welcome back to the Bradcast. Thank you, Brad, for being one of the few voices that are willing to cover a story like this. Well, uh, it needs to be covered. Uh, let me also joining us today is the man who actually filed the uh, petition to deny on behalf of a, a local viewer, uh, Ihor 
uh, Gaudiak, I believe is is uh, the local viewer's name. The attorney is Art Bellenduke. He's a longtime D.C.-based communications attorney and a former FCC official himself. As noted, he also happens to be a registered Republican and self-identified political conservative who focuses on issues of broadcast media ownership and net neutrality. Uh, Art Bellenduke, uh, thank you for joining us today on the broadcast, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Art, let me let me start with you. When uh, Sue Wilson first came to me with this story at bradblog.com, I found it difficult to believe that right there in Baltimore, not far outside of D.C., Sinclair appeared to be blatantly violating the Telecommunications Act by owning one station outright and then sort of secretly owning and or controlling two other stations in the same market uh, while using these shell companies of a sort to hide it all. Is that essentially the argument that your petition to deny is making? That's correct. I mean, you can have relationships with other stations in the market, but they're carefully regulated by the FCC. Uh, Sinclair has gone way beyond that, Um, you know, down to the point of setting the salary of the president of Cunningham, not the kind of thing corporations do at arm's length. Mm -hmm. The other thing I really want to point out very quickly to you is that Cunningham, which is the main partner of Sinclair, has 20 stations in 20 different markets, and they're all paired with Sinclair. So this isn't a Baltimore problem. Mm. It's just that the petition had to be filed in Baltimore because of FCC reasons that are probably of no interest to your audience. But uh, right now, the, the, the first place you could file was in Baltimore. So this really is, uh, if you're right about this, Art, this really is a scam that is being played out all over the country, I guess. When did when did Sinclair get control of, I guess, those other two stations starting in Baltimore, and uh, how could their de facto uh, ownership, control, whatever you want to call it, how could that have been overlooked by the FCC, given that the information you learned about the companies appears to have been sitting right there in SEC documents? Well, it's both FCC and SEC documents, and the Commission is aware of this. They, when, it, when they were merging with Tribune, they set them for hearing on this very issue. When the Tribune merger went away, the Commission said, well, that's okay, we looked at it, they acted in good faith, not, nothing wrong going on. That's what got me interested in this case. I was saying, well, no, you can't do this, right? Enough is enough. You know about it. They were fined once in, I believe, 2001. In 2019, the FCC came out with a hearing designation order on this, and in both times, they just kind of looked the other way. It's time for the FCC to stop looking the other way. They were they were fined in 2001 for this same thing? For... Uh, basically, unauthorized transfer of control when they were they clearly said that Sinclair was controlling Cunningham. In 2001, they said, well, you overstepped our rules. You now understand our rules. We're going to give you a fine. You know, go and sin no more. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they then just kept doing that. It, it's the worst kept secret in the communications world. Wow. I, I mean, they, everybody knows that they're doing it. It's just that they're a big company, and uh, the FCC doesn't have the regulatory will to put a stop to this. 
uh, Sue Wilson, as I understand it, the uh, FCC has been trying to relax ownership restrictions uh, under the the current uh, chairman, Ajit Pai. Uh, He's a Donald Trump appointee. In the past, you've characterized uh, Pi as sort of a far-right Republican apparatchik, now in ostensible control of the federal agency. Is the Telecommunications Act vague enough to actually allow him to do so, uh, to allow him to take something that seems to be illegal and, and, and somehow make it legal through tweaking the regulations? And, and what is the problem, by the way, as you see it, in weakening those uh, restrictions? Well, I think that what we're seeing is that the Federal Communications Commission, who, you know, bravely represents the corporations that it regulates, um, are taking these issues to court. Uh, Time and time and time again, they have been defeated in the courtroom, and we will see how that continues. But what's really at stake here are the diversity of voices that we, the people, get to hear on our local TV stations. And, you know, as you pointed out earlier, Local television news is really the, the medium that most of us trust more than any other today for our news. When we hear that anchor who we've watched on television for the last 12 years tell us something, we tend to believe it, just like we believe the weatherman is giving us the best information he can every day. This is really cutting away at that kind of trust when you allow stations to own one company to own so many, many stations. Uh, the, the law is clear. The Telecommunications Act is clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whether or not Sinclair will continue to chip away through FCC rules, how those rules are uh, mm-hmm. are being used uh, to... Art can explain this better than I can, but the FCC makes the rules that are supposed to enforce right. the Telecommunications Act. It's the FCC rules that seem to me to be in opposition to the Telecommunications Act. Art, as a uh, as a Republican and a conservative, this would seem to work out very well for Republicans and conservatives, given the right-wing bent of Sinclair. A, do you agree with that characterization of the company? And, as given your own political bent, uh, why do you consider this to be a problem? Because, you know, Sinclair is just going to dismiss uh, Sue and me as disgruntled socialist Antifa fake news activists or some such. But what's the concern that you have, Art? Well, here's the concern I have. In in many markets, take Columbus, Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. They own two major network affiliates, Fox, and I believe it's an NBC. It might be an ABC station, I don't think. But, But here's the thing. That means that they've got two local newses that are going out, right? Every every day at 6 o'clock, there are two newscasts that are going out holding one political view. Mm-hmm. That's not what the Communications Act intended. The Communications Act intended that there should be a diversity of views, right? Mm-hmm. If there's a Sinclair with a clear right-wing view... There should be another station that has, say, a middle ground view and one that says maybe has a left-wing view, right? There shouldn't be one voice, and it really impacts local elections, right? Somebody is running for mayor in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know who that is, but someone is, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter to me because I live in Washington. It doesn't matter to Sue because she lives in California. But it really, really, really matters to the people of Columbus, Ohio. 
and they're being deprived the information they need to vote for the candidate of their choice, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're voting for, whether you're voting Republican or Democrat, that vote should be an informed vote. You look at it and you say, okay, this is my candidate. When you control the local news, which is really what I see this as a problem, mm -hmm. then I no longer am getting that kind of information that that I need to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And that's the pro and that, and that really is the genius of the Communications Act, which is that it says, look, you should have this diversity of voices. You shouldn't have too much concentration so that one person has one point of view, another person has another point of view. I can go to one station, I can go to another station, right, to put it in cable terms. I can go to Fox for 10 minutes, I can go to MSNBC for 10 minutes, and I can make a decision based on what I'm seeing and hearing on those two cable outlets. In, in places like Columbus, you now have two major outlets that are being mm -hmm. controlled by one voice. You know That, I think, is wrong. Yeah, you know, Art, we used to at uh, bradblog.com, I used to give out what I described as the rarely bestowed intellectually honest conservative award. It was uh, hard to give out sometimes, but I always enjoyed it. Uh, and I haven't given out one in years because it has been so difficult to find, frankly, an intellectually honest conservative. I would like to uh, name you a winner right there, Art, just for that answer alone. Does it come with a money prize? It comes with nothing. <laughs> other than the great prestige, uh, that, of course. God. There you go. Deeply Con honored. Congratulations. As a former FCC official then, Art, uh, can you uh, help us understand what exactly is a petition to deny that you have uh, now filed? How serious are they? How frequently are they filed? How seriously does the FCC take them? And, and then what happens next uh, legally in this matter with that petition? Sure. Um, license renewals come up every eight years, and that's why I said the, the first ones were uh, in Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. That's why Baltimore was, was uh, uh, where the petition was filed mm -hmm. against there, and then they'll have them in North Carolina, and then they kind of move west across the country. It's a two-year process. So once their license comes up for renewal, any citizen can file a petition saying why you don't, why they don't serve, and this is in the Communications Act, mm -hmm. the public interest, convenience, and necessity. Right, so it doesn't even have to be a violation of the rules. You can say, "Hey, look, we're not getting any news on this station. We it, we should be getting news, or the programming that they're putting on." is not in tune with the needs of the community right so this is a this is an opportunity for people to come in and state their views you can file an informal objection right so you don't have to go to a lot of trouble you can just state your reasons why you want you don't want the license renewed mm -hmm. in this case what i said was they're violating the rules and there's a couple of things in there on several, I mean, this isn't the only thing they violated the rules on. For example, during their news programming, they were com they were running commercials disguised as news programming, mm -hmm. right? So they would have some. Uh, in this case, it was a cancer institute, and then they would have this story about you know the wonders that it's doing for um, to, to help cure cancer. But it was just a commercial for this cancer institute. Mm. Uh, they got fined some eleven million dollars for that. So, again, that if you think of the, 
the term public interest, convenience, and necessity, I don't think running commercials during the news qualifies as the public interest, convenience, and necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Owning more than more stations than you're entitled to, again, doesn't meet that standard. So now, to answer your question, the FCC has to give me a formal ruling. I have the right to appeal to the Court of Appeals. So, it, it, you know, it, that's where it's good. That's where it's going to go. And uh, so, do is is there? Will there be a hearing on this? Does um, uh, Sinclair and the other two companies that you describe as sort of fake shell companies? Do they get to uh, respond to your petition and and join any hearing that may be held by the FCC? Absolutely. They they have October one is their deadline to respond. I have no doubt, but that they will respond. Uh, the FCC, if if it cannot decide the matter on the facts presented, then has an obligation to hold a hearing. Um, Whether it's going to do that or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I doubt it. I think this is going to be decided at the Court of Appeals. But hope springs eternal, and I'm hoping that at this point the FCC will say enough is enough. Another alternative is they may just force um, Sinclair to divest its interest in these stations, mm-hmm. which would be a huge win, yeah. right? We don't, we we don't, we don't need to hang them, right? We don't need the death penalty. We just need them to do to simply follow their own rules. Right? So, so if they deny essentially your pen, uh, petition to deny, then you get to go to an Article Three actual court, a court of appeals, and and have a trial on the matter, essentially. No, I get to appeal the commission's actions on the theory that it is arbitrary and capricious and in violation of the Communications Act, which, based on what I have, I think I would have a very strong appeal. Uh, Sue Wilson, since the uh, publication of your story on all of this a few days ago at Bradblog.com, have you heard anything, any complaints uh, or anything else from Sinclair or from the uh, two stations that you and, uh, and and Arts petitioned their sites as sort of these front companies for Sinclair, Cunningham Broadcasting and Deerfield Media? Have they contacted you with any objections or corrections to anything you may have gotten wrong in your story? Well, I haven't heard any complaints, uh, and, and I, I would think that that's because of the correctness of the story. But you know what I want to say is, is part of the reason why this story is so powerful is the work that Art Bellandus did combing through Security and Exchange Commission documents that Sinclair has to file, as well as documents that the Sinclair company has to file with the Federal Communications Commission. Mm-hmm. And what you see is that... Those two uh, document files are in opposition. They're telling the Security and Exchange Commission one thing about their finances and their ownership of Deerfield and of Cunningham, and they're telling the Federal Communications Commission something entirely different. Which is stunning to me, uh, especially since, as Art says, it's kind of going on all across the country. It sounds also to me that this could be sort of extended potentially into the next administration, presuming there is a new administration coming in. Sue, would that also uh, change the equation on the FCC itself when you get a new president? Uh, Does the balance of the FCC change, which might potentially uh, change how they see this petition? Oh, how I wish that that were true, Brad, but in my experience, and I think Art can back this up, 
the Federal Communications Commission is really run by bureaucrats who are in the background. It doesn't really much matter who the commissioners are. If you look at this case, this wasn't Ajit Pai saying, oh, we're just going to, uh, 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 you know, go ahead and fine the Federal Communications Commission. Mm-hmm. This was Sinclair Broadcasting, who after they, they had to dissolve their own merger with Tribune, and let's be very clear, the Tribune merger went south because there was this hearing designation order and because Sinclair at that moment understood that they don't have the character to have licenses. It was proved so well, and in fact, the judge, the Federal Communications Commission administrative law judge herself said that we need to take a very close public look at Sinclair's behavior here because it appears that they have been lying to the Federal Communications Commission. If they are lying to the Federal Communications Commission in such a matter, they do not have the requisite character to have a license and therefore do not have the requisite character to have any license. And yet they have hundreds of them. Uh, I got to get out here uh, before we go, and I hope to continue following this story. I really appreciate you guys getting on this because it is so important. It is so underreported, and I believe it has uh, so much to do with so many of the problems uh, we have across the country right now. Uh, Art, let me uh, leave you with this. You mentioned that... um, that it's not just a problem in Baltimore with Sinclair, that they're sort of doing this all over the country with these shell companies. Are, are you aware, are, are they the only ones doing this, or are there other media companies that are playing similar shell games with ownership in order to get around FCC uh, restrictions? Is this is this unusual, or is this, uh, you know, only uh, 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 Sinclair? Brad, I... The short answer is almost impossible. I mean, the commission does allow what they call joint sales agreements and other shared services agreements and LMAs, and it all gets really complicated. So other companies do things like this. They don't do it to this extent. Mm. And what the SEC documents show and the FCC documents show is to the extent that they're really doing this. They don't control their financing. They don't control their personnel. They don't control their programming, in which case, what is it that these so-called licensees do, right? Yeah. What, what, what job, and, and, and when you're getting, when your salary is coming from Sinclair, what independence do you have? Um, and that's really the problem. I, uh, other companies are doing it to what extent? Not to this extent. Fascinating. Uh, Art Belunduk, uh, longtime D.C.-based communications attorney, former FCC official, now uh, filing this uh, petition to deny against Sinclair, uh, Sinclair Broadcasting Group. Uh, fascinating. Also, Sue Wilson, co-founder of the Media Action Center. You can find them at mediaactioncenter.net. You can find her on the Twitters at Sue Blues Wilson. And Art, I don't know, are you smart enough to stay off the Twitters? No, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. You can find me, Art Bellanduke. Uh You can find me on Twitter, but you're probably better off Especially if you're a Sinclair employee or ex-employee, <laughs> yeah, um, I can give you my email address. Can we put that on? Well, if if you don't mind hearing from folks, it's up to you. 
Well, I'm happy. So it's uh, A B E L E N D I U K at FCCWorld.com. All right, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna repeat that A B E L E N D I U K uh, uh, K at FCCWorld.com. Correct? Yep, that's me. All right, very good. Uh, well, I hope you hear from uh, folks on this. I hope you'll continue to move forward, and I hope you'll both stay in touch with us as the case uh, goes. Thank you, Sue Wilson. Thank you, Art Bellanduk, for your great work. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Brad. You bet. All right, let's take a quick break. And we will come back with something that I think I desperately need, Desi Doyen, (laughs) after a week like the one we have had and the next one we will almost certainly have. uh, And that is the the rainbow at the end of this rancid pot of gold. How's that? A long overdue Randy Rainbow Diddy is up next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. (laughs) Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, Desi Doyen, you know, we have been in the middle of a very, very bad drought for several weeks. (laughs) Uh, But I don't mean a rain drought. In truth, I actually mean a Randy Rainbow drought. We uh, He's been, uh, I don't know where he's been. He's uh, taking a break or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but now he's back. That ends today with the latest fantastic ditty from the great Randy Rainbow to help play us out today. <clears throat> Just to be clear, we are taping this. We are back, Mr. President. How are you? I'm the football guy. Oh, good. Sir, the election is around the corner, and it seems your campaign strategy has been to ramp up your divisiveness and bigotry, uh, spread misinformation, even disparage the military. The news is so fake. Listen, I get it. I was once an aspiring comedian just like you. (laughs) I posted offensive things for shock value. It was a disaster. Calm down. The difference was I was doing it satirically, you know, using irony and exaggeration to point out absurdity, saying and doing things through a persona that I wasn't actually saying and doing. You know, kind of like how I'm not really at the White House with you right now, see? It's just a green screen. (laughs) But I changed my act when I realized there were actually awful things actually being said and done by actually awful people, just like you. Look, once I had an actual platform, I vowed I would try my best to use it only for good. Aren't I great? 
You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> and with November so close, there is one more vow I've taken. Would you like to hear it? I don't have time. Raise your tiny hand and repeat after me. I. I. I won't vote Trump. I won't vote Trump. No, there's not a chance in hell. No, there's not a chance in hell. I will try to make a difference. I will try to make a difference. Cause this isn't going well. Cause this isn't going well. So don't waste your bad breath on me. I'd sooner cast my vote for Cardi B. I'll never vote Trump. Never vote Trump, never vote Trump. Not me. Come on, sing. I won't vote Trump. I won't vote Trump. I will jump through any hoop. I will jump through any hoop. And if someone tries to make me, and if someone tries to make me, I will throw a can of soup. I will throw a can of soup. If there's a chance that I could get this bloated Cheeto off my TV set, I'll never vote Trump, never vote Trump, never vote Trump. Not me. Not I. Girl, please. <laughs> but it'll make the country great. Uh-huh. Pence will take you on a date. <gasps> no, thank you. What if they manipulate and make you not feel so inclined? I've made up my mind. I won't vote Trump. I won't vote Trump. To the polls is where I'll drive. To the polls is where I'll drive. If I'm 18 years or over. If I'm 18 years or over. Cause I'm over 45. Cause I'm over 45. So sorry I've offended you. But when it comes to voting, I work blue. I'll never vote Trump. Never vote Trump. Never vote Trump. Not me. Everybody. I won't vote Trump. I won't vote Trump. I don't want another four. I don't want another four. And if someone steals my mailbox. And if someone steals my mailbox. I will build a hundred more. I will build a hundred more. I won't vote Trump. I won't vote Trump. I will vote without delay. I will vote without delay. I will do what's necessary. I will do what's necessary. Just to make you go away. Some past mistakes There's one I won't No matter what it takes The best is yet to come I'll never vote Trump Never vote Trump Never vote Trump Not me Not me Not me needed that yep uh thank you the great randy rainbow we will of course link to the the video the videos are always funnier oh yeah still because he's hilarious anyway uh thanks we have got to get out and not a moment too soon thanks (laughs) to our producer desi doyan to my guest today attorney art bellenduke and journalist and media reformer Sue Wilson of MediaActionCenter.net, whose latest story on the Sinclair broadcasting scam you can read right now exclusively at bradblog.com. Uh, thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And I hope you will, and I hope you'll share it with your friends and your families and all of your enemies. As well, that is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. We rely 100% on your support to stay on your public airwaves, at least till Sinclair Broadcasting buys us. I'm open. <laughs> Give me a call, Sinclair. 
Uh, you can drop me email if you like, Sinclair. My email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'll never vote Trump. Never vote Trump. Never vote Trump. Not me. Not me.